Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise Him tonight. I feel the Lord in this room. I feel His presence in here, even now. We magnify You, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Praise God, praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is good all the time. Amen. Hey, Brother Randy Tay, I want you to come up here for a minute. And I want him and his precious wife is here. We're so glad that he's in town here for a few weeks and slipped in and out on Sunday night. And I was never even in the pulpit Sunday night, but would have honored him. He is an elder in this church many years, pastored also in Texas for a while, and now he's in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hey man, sounds like Santa Claus. He's been everywhere. And uh, we're so glad he's here. Won't you greet us tonight? We're so glad that you're here. God bless you richly. You are fine people. Uh, I just appreciate being able to come home and be welcome when I come home. It is nice to be with all everybody here. Uh, I tend to slide into that y'all business, so if I do that, you're all right with that, okay? But here it is an, an honor to be able to, when someone says, where are you from? And I mentioned Zanesville. If they're in Christendom, they want to talk about the Anchor Church immediately. Uh, all over the nation, it doesn't matter. They, they ask, and, and I tell them that the Zanesville Church is a freak. And they, they, they don't really get it. But when 85% of the people do the work instead of 15% of the people, and when they give, they give of their heart, they give of their finances, they give their labor. And it is amazing how when you uh, look, when we look back and we reminisce and we talk about the church here and the people here, the love that this church assembly has for the kingdom of God is, I'm not going to say it's rare, but to this magnitude, it's not always that way wherever you go. And I'm glad to say that with Pastor Ferris, Bishop Ferris, establishing the work there in Clarksville, we feel the same love of all the people there, that he instilled that there. And I know that Bishop Bounds has done an awesome job to continue the work that was begun here in Zanesville Someone said it was a great thing that Bishop had a young man to turn it over to. I said, nah, that wasn't so great. I said, there was a lot of young men that wanted it. I said, but there was one young man that God called to do it. And I said, that made the difference. That made all the difference. And Bishop Bounds, I, I thank you for carrying on the work and the labor of so many people in this city you are certainly my friend and i'm never ashamed to tell people that you are my friend you carry yourself well and this church is blessed as you well know to have the bounds family here to continue the work that god has established oh let's give him a hand today would you do that praise the name of the lord if you grab your Bibles with me tonight, I'm going to be um, preaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 11. We certainly enjoyed the ministry of Brother Graham this weekend, and uh, we want him to come back very soon, and uh, I know uh, that will be in a year, but uh, we are so thankful. This weekend, I'm so excited about uh, yesterday while we were doing final plannings in our weekly staff meeting. Uh, we were talking about Brother Woodward, and he called. And while we were on the phone, just felt the Holy Ghost so powerful. I said, I want you to be led of the Lord to preach whatever you feel. It's our 80th year of legacy and um, and uh, 80th year. It's amazing. It's been 80 years. We're going to throw a big party. We're going to have fun. Friday night, we're going to have church. Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, we're going to have church. We're going to have... 
Friday night with our guests from out of town, people that's coming in to celebrate with us. Sunday morning, we'll have church with uh, Pastor John McDonald Friday and Sunday morning. Sunday night, we're going to have a big feast. We're going to eat. We're going to have a big slideshow in the back, and we're going to have a food for all of our families together, and we're going we're to have a big dinner and just have a good time. And because I'm ADD, I hear the rain right now while I'm talking. And, uh, and there's no dripping in front of me, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. I'm <laughs> very grateful. I really am. I know you are, too. Uh, and thank you for the, the way you've responded last weekend. Over $175,000 pledged, and I believe that's going to keep going. There's people calling in saying, I wasn't there. I want to give. And so um, let, me, let me say this. You know, we give a couple hundred thousand dollars to missions, but then, as God said, I'm going to pour it back in the church, turn around and here it is, nearly a couple hundred thousand dollars going right here to this church. It's no accident. It works that way. You'll never outgive God. How I many know it's true? Oh, so, oh, that's it. There was a hearty amen there. Revelation 11, verse 1. Verse 1. Um, can I say something else before we go on? I drank coffee before I got up here, so that's dangerous. That's not what I was going to say, but I had... <laughs> Brother Russell, that's a, I don't know if it's a good sound or a bad sound. We might be here at midnight. And we, we might be, I hear somebody out there saying, you might be there at midnight, but I'm not going to be here at midnight. Hey, Amen. I've got to work tomorrow. But um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, at, in the school, they do this deal with uh, uh, that elementary kids that sell the most pizzas or whatever fundraiser they did or whatever the event they had. They, if they win, then they have lunch with me. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it's my treat. Really, it is to sit down and talk to them. I was with uh, little Robert Fannin today. And I said, how old are you? He said, I'm six. And uh, what do you like to do? He said, I, I like to fish. Boy, we were right at the right table. I'm going to tell you right now. What do you like to play? He said, t-ball. And, uh, and uh, he's talking about playing t-ball. And uh, I said, what do you want to be when you get up, grow up? He said, I want to be a pastor like you. And uh, I said, what do you like coming to church? He said, because I can worship and pray. I said, what do you pray about? He said, I pray for God and not let there be any tornadoes. He said, you know, the cold wind comes from this direction. The hot wind comes from this direction. They swirl around and makes, I don't want any of those, he said. Wouldn't you know I go down the road and come back and there's a tornado warning on my phone. I said, nope, this young man's praying, so I'm not going to worry about it. Can I get a witness from somebody? No. We're not going to worry about any tornadoes here tonight. Oh, my lands. My, Revelation 11. It says, And there was given me a reed likened to a rod. And the angels stood saying, Rise and measure. Measure. Angel of the Lord, I want you to go measure. I want you to go measure the temple of God. I want you to measure the altar. And I want you to measure them that worship therein. I want you to go measure some things. Culture's changing. But I want my church to remain the same. I want you to go measure the temple. I want you to go measure the altar. And I want you to go measure the worshiper. Can I say to you tonight, those that are here, those that are watching online, there are things that God measures. Whether you want to believe it or not, God has a standard of measure. And He expects it to be what He wants it to be and not what everybody else wants it to be. The things that God measures. Would you lift your hands and ask God to speak to you? The things that God measures. Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen, amen. The things that God measures, you may be seated. The Bible tells us that in Ezekiel 40, if you would turn there as well tonight, I will be pulling really the measurements and the things that God measures from Ezekiel chapter 40 um, through Ezekiel 47. Everybody say the things that God measures. 
When you begin to look at Ezekiel 40, it says it's in the 25th year of captivity. You'll find that at this point, Zerubbabel's temple was not built. What you also find is that probably Solomon's temple had been destroyed. Walls have been torn down, broken. The gates have been burnt. Jerusalem's not what it used to be. Uh, you would see the ruins of what happens when a nation attacks it. And if you have pictured the Ukraine as of recent with the bombings and the rubble, um, the broken down buildings, that would have been somewhat of a picture of what Jerusalem would have looked like now. Solomon's temple is destroyed. The vessels have been taken out. It's no longer, Brother Zion, a wonder of the world. It's, you know, one, one verse of Scripture talks about the people of God and how it had become run down. It said it was a fading flower. It was trodden under feet. And uh, how many ever had your dog or neighbor's animals or one of your kids get in your flower garden? What was beautiful has now been smashed. And that was a, a parallel of the people of God and now the city of Jerusalem. And so in the mind of the people, there is no doubt that there needs to be a rebuilding. There needs to be a restoring. Uh, they are, at this point, they are still in Babylon, but God takes the prophet away. Ezekiel shows up five years into the captivity when the people have been exiled. How I many's let me just parallel it here. We got a modern day news where a, a nation, one, one estimation is 10 million have left the Ukraine uh, that I've seen and have went to Poland and other, other nations because of the attack from Russia to Ukraine. Uh, same similar in the days of Jerusalem. Uh, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar came in and the people were exiled except they were taken captive into another country. Five years into that, Ezekiel shows up and starts prophesying restoration. Uh, 25 years into this now, at the 40th chapter, chapter, something specific happens to the prophet. What do prophets do? Another word for a prophet in the Bible was the word seer. Look at your neighbor and say, it's seer. They could see what God sees. They could see things the way God wants it to be. And um, I haven't lost you, have I, tonight? Are y'all with me? And so uh, the prophet sees some things. And it, it lists, it says, in verse 2, it says, In the visions of God, of Ezekiel 40, brought he me into the land of Israel and set me up on a very, what? Everybody say a high mountain. By which was as the frame of a city on the south. He brought me thither or there. Behold, there was a man whose appearance was like to the appearance of brass with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed and he stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes and hear with thine ears and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. For to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither or here. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And so what happens is God takes him away in a vision, takes him to the a high peak of a mountain. I, I picture sort of, sort of a, a high-peaked mountain, like a volcanic type of mountain, not a volcano, but if you can picture this with me. And he says, he takes me to the top and he shows me the temple. He shows me the temple of God. And uh, it says very clearly in verse 5, the first thing he sees when he sees the temple, and behold, a wall. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, behold, a wall. On the outside of the house roundabout. May I say to you, before he ever saw inside the temple, he saw the wall outside the temple. Some people believe holiness does not matter. That the way we live, to conduct ourselves, that the way I speak, the way I act, blending in with the world doesn't matter. But remember, and they bring it, can bring it from a verse where it says, the Lord seeth not as man seeth in 1 Samuel chapter 16. When, when Samuel was gonna anoint Eliab and the Lord said, no, 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 I haven't chosen him, I've refused him. And he told the prophet, he said, the Lord doesn't see the way man sees. He said, because man looks on the 
outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Can I establish something here tonight? Just because the Lord doesn't look on the heart does not mean he doesn't care about what's on the outward appearance. That you just say whatever you want to say. Oh, well, you know, I was mad. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to let those words come out of my mouth. I was mad. God understands when I'm mad. I get a little bent and I got a little this going. That's the way I was raised. Let me tell you something. What comes on the outside matters because it's a product of what's on the inside. If you were in the restaurant and I walked up to your table and and there was a, if I walked up to your table and you had a bottle of Budweiser sitting there on the table and I came up to you and and I, I, said, I said to you, I said, uh, you know, we don't believe in drinking. And you've been in this long enough to know you shouldn't be drinking Budweiser. That's not a good witness. And you said, oh, pastor, that's not Budweiser in that bottle. That's water. You know, sort of like somebody told me the other day about the priest going down the road and swerving a little bit. And the, and the, and the police pulled him over. And, and uh, he, uh, he said, what's in that? What's in that container? He said, it's water. Cop grabbed it, smelled it. He said, that's wine. He said, praise God, he's done, done it again. <laughs> Who told me that? I don't know. But, but if they said, oh, that's, that's not Budweiser. That's, that's water in that. I'd say, then why do you got it in a container and make everybody think it's Budweiser? Because what's on the outside is a mirror of what's on the inside. And uh, the first thing you see here, and you know, you hear things about standards. You can hear things, you know, can I say to you, every church has standards. Every church has a layer, a level of holiness, and, uh, and I'm thankful for that. Um, I really am. But, you know, there's, there's, everybody hold up three fingers. There's three types of standards that you're going to have as a Christian, no matter what church you go to. You're going to have, you're gonna have personal standards, how many know that? I know people that won't drink Coke. I've met people that won't drink coffee. They say they're sanctified. Conviction. Nowhere in the Bible says you can't have coffee. But for them, they gave it up because they categorized that with something else. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen people uh, that won't, uh, my, my, I've seen people not allow any dice in a game. Nowhere in the Bible says you can't play dice in a game and you know, you're playing whatever. But I've seen people because they came from gambling and that was a part of their life of gambling. That's a personal conviction. Are y'all here with me right now? So there's standards. That's a personal standard. They're not putting on anybody up. But for me, that reminds me of where I used to be, what I used to do. And so they, they say, I'll never do that again. So you have personal standards. Number two, hold up two fingers. You, you have personal standards. You have, you have um, uh, biblical standards. What is a biblical standard? It's what God defines. That's God's expectation for my life. Number three, you've got church standards, uh, and all are okay. We've, we've asked our ushers to have a, a suit jacket on. We ask people on the platform, if the minister is going to be preaching, nowhere in the Bible says I have to have a necktie to preach. I'm going to prove it to you. On Wednesdays, I don't know if I'm wearing a necktie or not, but Sundays, I'm going to have a necktie on. And that is a church preference. It's a platform guideline bring uniformity maybe with our ushers and so there's uniformity there's been times where the choir that singing the choir you had to have your hair up and uh, the reason for that so people would fix it it brought uniformity and looked nice and, and sometimes if we're not careful we'll make church standards convictions and they're just preferences it's it's expectations of, of uniformity. It's not heaven or hell. It's, it's just what we want as a preference. Are you with me right now? God's not anoint me because, going to anoint me or use me because I have a necktie on. I don't think Jesus wore a necktie. About the apostle Paul had on a suit jacket and slacks. Our, our culture of dress is different. At the end of the day, a biblical standard would say we need to be modest. And no matter what church I was at, they could say, hey, we have no standards at our church. Come as you are. But if somebody walked in in their swimwear, no matter what Christian church would be, they'd say, you know, that's probably not appropriate for the house of God. Not appropriate at the beach either, but because modesty is not just at the house of God. Amen. Amen. That's right. Modesty's not 
Oh, I feel like teaching for a moment. I, people, people walked up to my wife here. I'm a preacher. She's raised in the church. And somebody said, did you get your swimsuit for your vacation? And uh, for your honeymoon? My, my wife's like, what do you mean? What's your honeymoon? As if God's standard of modesty changes geographically. Modesty doesn't change geographically. What I am in Zanesville, I should be on vacation or the other part of the world because he's measuring me. Amen. You, if you make somebody lust, you're guilty as them. And if you create that, the Bible talks about a flowing garment and not wearing things tight and where your body can be revealed. And, and I haven't even got past verse five and here I am. I'm deep into this right now, but God expects us to be modest. I believe Jesus was modest. And the only time he wasn't it was when he was hanging on a cross and he was shamed by it because he was represented at the cross. Amen. Our shame and our exposure to things that were hidden and he took on our shame so we could be delivered from shame. But I believe he was always modest in all of his ways and I want to be like him. How many want to meet up to the standard of the Lord? Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and so it matters, my modesty, my outward appearance, my conduct. The Bible says for men ought to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Men ought to conduct themselves in holy attitudes and women in modest outfits. And I think that's very biblical to say to you today. And can I tell you that the first thing that I see that he measures in verse five, he measures the wall. He measures the wall on the what? Help me now. Help me. He measures the wall on the outside of the house roundabout. He didn't have an open walled concept church. He didn't have a no gate, no fence church. Oh no, because walls aren't keeping people in. Walls also keep stuff out. You're not gonna go to Tiffany's and look at the diamonds that are worth a million dollars or $10,000 and they're just gonna be laid out over the table so anybody can walk in and just touch it and hold it and walk out with it. Oh no, it's gonna be behind. I walked in one one time and Tiffany's they had a yellow diamond. It was worth, I think, 1.4 million. It was behind bulletproof glass. Why? Because they didn't just want anybody to walk away with it. Somewhere you've got to get something in your heart and realize my eternity matters to me. My salvation matters. I'm not just letting any, watching any movie. I'm not just listening to anything. I want to be right with God. The Bible says don't cast your pearl before the swine. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you can just go anywhere and do whatever you want to do. No, you don't cast your pearl before the swine. There's some movies we shouldn't watch. There's some music we shouldn't listen to. There's some places we shouldn't go. Why? Because I'm saved. Oh, clap your hands and shout to the Lord right now. Walls. Everybody say Walls. My daddy taught me, he said, son, he said, a man of integrity will always build walls. He'll build walls and say, I'm not going beyond this. I'm not turning this on. I'm not looking this way. You will build walls. A man of integrity will create disciplines. Why? Because what's on the inside matters. Look at your neighbor and say, man. And so when he is measuring the temple, he's measuring. I, I don't know why. I'm not, I don't know why, but I feel this. That's why I don't go to movie theaters. Why? Because there's things that show in there that I would not show in my house. There's things that happen there, and I believe that atmospheres, movies and Hollywood and things can create atmospheres that leave a stigma. Watch this. When I grab that glass and I walk away, you could come up and see my fingerprint there. I'll leave, but there's a part of me there. It's... Hey, listen, if I stuck my finger down in there and swirled around, would you want to come up and drink it? No, because you're afraid part of my finger residue is going to be in that water. Why do we go to places where stuff that was horror movies and adultery scenes and atheists and agnostics, I won't go in there and watch Mickey Mouse. Why? Because I believe it changes the atmosphere. You go in one way, you come out with questions. You go in spiritual, come out with carnality. It matters where we go. It matters what we do. It matters where we live. It matters how we act. Every Pentecostal church in the United States used to preach this way. There's some places we don't go. There's some things we don't do. Why? Because walls matter. Somebody say walls matter. 
there is something. Oh, I feel this today. Can I tell you, it's valuable enough to protect. My Holy Ghost is valuable enough to keep. It's my, my salvation, my cleansing. The Bible says, wherewithal shall a man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Revelation 19 says, he is a, we are as a bride that has made herself ready, clean and white, which is the righteousness of the saints. She's been arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, fine linen. You know what linen is? Have you ever seen how easily wrinkled linen is? Have you ever seen how easy it is to get linen spotted and dirty, white linen? You don't, there's nobody in here wearing linen right now because it's hard to keep. It's hard to keep. But he compares our righteousness as of being clothed in white linen. His bride, his church in white linen. You sit on it, it wrinkles. You get around dirt, it sticks to it. Hard to get out of linen. Everybody say linen. And he said in Revelation 19, he said, my bride hath prepared herself. She's made herself ready clean and white. You can't hang around in dirt and expect to stay clean. You can't just watch anything, go around things and entertain yourself with and be in places. I don't know about you, but you know, when I eat, you ever ate good food, it tastes good going in, but it's hard to digest. Oh my goodness. I wish I hadn't ate that hot sauce. I wish I hadn't ate that fourth piece of pie. <laughs> tastes good going in. How I many just had a normal meal, but oh. You ever ate some food, feel like you swallowed a brick? Anybody? Tastes good at the moment. Hard to digest. How about videos? Funny at the moment, but processing it. Go to pray and that's all you can see. Lay in bed at night and that's all you can think about. Something digesting into your spirit. Don't forget Adam and Eve ate themselves out of the presence of God. They listened to a voice that was not of God, that brought questions in their mind. When the serpent began to say, half God said, half God said, be careful to get around things that cause you to question who you are in him. That's why you gotta have walls. You're not keeping people in, you're keeping stuff out. You're trying to stay clean, you're trying to stay holy, you're trying to stay pure. Can I say to every parent here, I'm just preaching principle tonight. It matters who you let your kids hang out with. They need walls. Well, they say, but mom, but dad, but they're cool. They're, no, 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 no. I'm your mama. I'm your daddy. You're not hanging out with them. You're not dating that person. You're not following that person on social media. Why? It's a wall that's going to keep things out. You're too valuable to me. I'm not limiting you. I'm limiting the enemy. I'm limiting, limiting the world. Somebody say glory. And so the first thing he finds is a wall. The wall he measures of the house around about in the man's hand, a measuring reed of six cubits long by the cubit and a half in breadth. He goes on, if you begin to study it, you'll find that the wall, the wall, look at your neighbor and say, the wall. We're living in a day talking about no walls. We're talking about no convictions. Oh, I'm saved. I can, I can do anything. Me and Jesus. I had a man one time in a drunken stupor. He said, I'm good. Me and Jesus like me and Jesus like this. In a drunken stupor. No limitation. No concept of God. Some false doctrine to make you think you live any way you want, go anywhere, do whatever. But he's going to measure us. He's going to measure you. Revelation 20 says he's going to measure us. To what? His word. Well, I'm a believer. There's more to it than being a believer. Jesus said in John 7 and 38, he said, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I'm glad we're believers. But there's more than being just to believe in he exists. It's a walk in his life. It's let him be in our example. He came and measured. I brought my toolbox here tonight. Amen. Where's my saw at? I'm going to measure some things and cut some things maybe. Y'all with me? Don't run. I'm not going to cut anybody, but I might measure you. Let me see. Let me see if it works. Hold your fingers back. <laughs> 
It works. He says, a man appeared to me. He said, a man appeared to me in a vision. He came and had a measuring ring. Had a rod and a measuring reed. He said, The rod or the reed that he had. Come here, Brother Tyler, help me, bud. You don't mind, brother. Light's so bright. Hold it right there. That reed was 10 and a half to 11 feet. Right there's, right there's how, how tall the reed was. He said, I want a wall. I want a wall that can't be looked over. It's going to allow me not to see the world. It's going to allow the world not to see in. It's a disconnect. It's a separation place. He said, not only do I want the wall to be a reed tall. Hold out there. This way, this way. I want the wall... I want to be 10 and a half to 11 feet. It's not thin. It's solid. It's unmovable. It's a thick wall. Can't be penetrated. No artillery in that day and time, even though they owned at that time, they had battering rams, could not get through a 10 foot thick wall. What is it doing? It's keeping me safe. It's keeping me away. And one of the things you're going to find, and don't ever forget it, is God will measure your convictions. God will measure your holiness. It's not something that he does not measure because of New Testament grace doctrine. I've got to live different from the world. I've got to be different than the world. Just because everybody in the family cusses doesn't mean we do. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. There is a new fad that says, I love Jesus and I cuss a little. That's not biblical. The Bible says bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same well. Boy, some of you, my daddy would say, you're as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Listen to me tonight. You're going to stand before God and he's going to measure you. He's going to measure who you are in secret. Everybody say measure. He goes there and he leads on and goes from the wall and he starts measuring the gate. Everybody say the gate is the entrance. Then he measured the gate and you'll find that he measured the porch. And you'll, when, you, when you get there, you'll find that in the, in the entrance of the wall that there was this, this 20 foot tall door. 20, 20 feet tall in a room or a porch where the walls went up 100 feet in the air. Depth-wise, if you had walked through that area, you would walked maybe 80 feet or so. It's about 47 feet wide, this porch. Once you go into the door, into the 20-foot doors, they would have been taller than the walls, going up in a 100-foot tower right here at that moment. Are you all with me? Can you picture this? When you go into the walls, they're 10 foot high, Ten and a half foot high, ten and a half foot thick. When you go in, though, you enter in through this gate. When you come into the gate, when you go in, it's 20 foot doors in a, in a building that's 100 foot tall, 47 foot wide, and you walk about 80 feet through it. has palm trees on each side and, and saw small window openings. You'll find little corridors that go on inside. When you go through there, you walk there to get into the outer court. What is it saying? Why are the doors so big? Why is the entrance so big? I'm going to tell you why. Because how you come to God is a big deal. Enter his gates with and into his courts with. You can have a terrible day, but when I get to his house, I'm going to praise him. People treated me bad, talked about me all day long, but when I get to his house, I'm going to praise him. Come on now. Your entrance matters to God. Somebody shout, my entrance matters to God. Look at your neighbor and say, your entrance matters to God. 
You, you got to leave your attitude in the prayer room. You got to leave your attitude at the house. Don't bring an attitude in the house of God. No, when I get there, we can be, we can be fussing on the way to church because we've got two kids. They're driving us crazy. We're hungry. We rush from work all day. Just barely got to church in time. But somewhere you make a decision between the car and the house. When I come into his house, the Lord is good. He's a worthy of my praise. He's amazing. He's everything. Because my approach to him is a big deal. Somebody say amen. Could I also say to you, who comes through that door is a big deal to God. It's not limited to white people. It's not limited to black people. It's not limited to Hispanics. Anybody can come through that door to him. Anybody, anybody, anybody. Somebody shout, anybody! They can come in. I think it's amazing that when God called Noah to build the ark, I find no measurement in Noah's ark to how big the door was going to be. You can find in detail to the inch how big the ark is going to be. The window where it's placed, what type of wood, what's used to seal it, it was detailed because when God has a salvation plan, it's always detailed, it's never vague. Just come as you are. Oh, only how you ever you want to believe. That's not in the Bible. We got to believe according to his word. His word measures. His word matters. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Are you ready for this? But when it came to the door to let things on the ark, in the church, in the kingdom, he said, Noah, I want you to build. I want you to build a door that matches the word I've given you. He said, there's gonna be animals that come from every region. I'm gonna call them here. He didn't build a door big enough just for him. Or a cat and a dog, no. When he said the mammals are coming, the animals are coming, he built a door big enough for elephants because when God spoke about a gathering to the ark, the preacher could envision who was coming there and he built a door big enough for elephants to walk across to get in and then God shut the door when the eighth man got in. Can I tell you verse 22, look what it says. Are y'all with me tonight? Let me preach, I feel an old-fashioned revival, amen, of, of holiness and convictions, amen. I believe there's gonna be a powerful revival repentance where sinners are gonna run to God and give their life to him and change their life. That's what I feel here tonight. He goes on. He says in verse 22 of Ezekiel 40, come on, do you want me to preach what the world wants or preach what thus saith the Lord? I wanna be right with him. I wanna please the Lord. I want God to be pleased with me tonight. He says in Ezekiel 40 and 22, and their windows and their arches and their palm trees were after the measure of the gate that looketh toward the east. He says, he said the measure of the window and the measure of the gate were the same. Could I say it this way? That the door that lets people in the church will never be bigger than the window that sees what's coming to the church. Let me say it this way. You will never have an entrance to your church that's bigger than your vision. If you can only see old people coming to church, that's all that's gonna be there. If the only thing you can see is young people in the church, that's all that's gonna be there. If you can only see a certain ethnicity in your church, that's all that's gonna be there. But give me somebody that sees what God sees. Give me somebody that can measure the temple the way God sees it. He said, whosoever will. That's the type of church I want. I want a whosoever wants to come, they can come. Whosoever wants to be delivered, they can be delivered. Go measure the door. Run, angel of the Lord. Measure the door. Measure the door. Measure the middle one. Hey, Brother Tyler, wrong door. Hey, man. Measure that one. Look at the door tonight. I wish everybody would turn around and see the door. Is the door big enough for a backslider to come through? Is the door big enough to let different denominations to come through? Is the door big enough for a fatherless child, for a broken marriage, 
for a broken family? Is the door big enough for the homeless? How about the rich? How about the politician? How about just the common person from Zanesville? Is the door big enough for different colored skin, different languages? I come to tell you today, there's some places God's angry at because they only let some in. But he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Come on. I want a church where anybody can come. I want a church where any whosoever will. He died for everybody. For the lady, for the man, for the grandma. He died for everybody. It's a church of second chances. Somebody say amen. He said, I want you to measure the door. Because how you come to church and who you let come matters to him. Lord, I want you to lift your hands tonight. I want you to lift your hands. Oh, my God, I feel you today. Hallelujah. 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 I wish somebody would stand to your feet and lift your hands to the Lord and say, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Hallelujah. I want to measure up. I want to measure up. Am I right? Am I what God wants me to be? Am I right? Am I right with the Lord tonight? Come on, you got to look in the mirror and say, is God pleased with me? Let him look at your heart. That's the reason for his word. So you know how he measures. He measures. He measures. Hallelujah. I could teach really for hours on these few chapters. But I feel conviction in this room. He measures. Somebody say he measures. I really don't know what to do except I feel somebody needs to respond to the call of God upon your life. He doesn't measure you to condemn you. He measures you to draw you closer to him. Say there's some things that need to change. There's some things I want to fix. Come on. I want somebody right now to begin to open yourself to the Lord and say, God, would you work a work in my life? Would you work a work in my family? Would you do a work in us tonight, God? Oh, we feel you. Come on, those that are watching from home, why don't you search your heart? Search me. Measure me. Measure my attitude tonight. Measure my morality. Lord, measure my tongue. Measure my eyes. Measure my ears. You say, you sound so old school. I'm probably not ashamed of it. Had one pastor said there were nine divorces in his church. They had one common denominator. You know what it was? Country music. Listening to cheating and whining and drinking. Next thing you know, you've let a seed in your heart from a carnal mind. It's a fruit of evil. Are you saying all country music's bad? No. I'm saying, but don't set that which is an abomination before your eyes or let it in your ears. If it's talking about adultery and cheating, you should be listening to it. You need to build a thicker wall. Get it taller. And say, not in my life. I don't want those thoughts. Come on, am I preaching to anybody that's real here tonight? I, I'm not preaching to, I'm preaching to Christian people tonight. I believe our houses are small temples. We live in those. Where, where's my tape measure? You got teenage kids. You know what teenage kids do? Here's what they do. You ready? I don't have any doors up here, but let's just pretend there's a door. Come on. This is your kid's bedroom door. Oh, hold on. That, it's not that big. They're not raising elephants, Brother Tyler. Hey, man. They eat like elephants, but it's a 36-inch door wide. Oh, yeah. They measure it. Let's put it down on the ground. It's approximately 72 inches tall. Maybe 74, maybe 82. Where's it at? Oh, I think 
81 and a half, maybe a rough cut. And the kid measured that door, and this is what the door measures. It says, it's mine. Stay out, Mom and Dad. This is my room. Danger, they've got little skeletons and crosses. Danger, stay out. It's my room. Get out of Don't you dare. You know what you look at them and say? It's not your room. It's mine. I'm paying the light bill. I'm buying your clothes. You're drinking out of my water. You're drinking, eating out of my refrigerator. You're eating off of my... Come on now. Because what will happen is they'll turn an atmosphere into that place. I, I, I wanted to go on. There's so much I wanted to cover. But I, I'm, I'm stuck today in my study on one word. It's the wall. I preached this message many times, but today I never saw that the first thing that he saw was a wall. What's the limitations of your house? What's the limitations of the video games they play? The movies they watch? The music they listen to? Are there walls in your house? Can I ask you this? Are there locks on your door? Then why are there no spiritual walls in your home? One keeps out a thief, but the other keeps out a thief. Are there locks on their phone? Are there walls on their media? Well, that's their phone. They're, they're 14. They don't, I don't care if they pay for it, it's not theirs. What's the limitation? Not one of you today would leave a gun in the, in the, in the toy chest with a, a seven-year-old loaded gun because it's just dangerous. But when you hand that kid a cell phone with no limitations, one kills the body, the other one's going to destroy the soul or the mind. Walls tonight, that's what I hear in the Spirit. And when he measured, measured things, he measured walls. He measured the temple. He measured the altar and he measured the worshiper. I do believe the service tonight is simply this. Do you have walls? Because it's something that God really does measure. Do they have curfews? Do they have limitations? Who they date? Who they hang out with? Where are walls? I want you to lift your hands again. I, I'm telling you, I feel the shepherd in here tonight. I feel a shepherd using the shepherd's staff, pulling you back and maybe correcting this is what the Lord had me to speak. I want them to come to the music tonight and play softly, just the keyboard. Tonight, God has come to measure us. Am I right with you? Hallelujah. 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 Um, Brother Tyler, would you come and help me real quick and just remain standing. Everybody okay? Balls matter. Watch, watch, stand right there. If, if you would, you're going to help me cut this board, okay? It's a two-by-six. Um, it, actually, it's a two-by-four. I'm, I'm going to make some spacers for the trusses. It's going to set, it's going to go from here to here. And uh, we're going to set some trusses, but we've got to cut this board 22 and a half inches. Put in between every truss and nail it to it so it'll be spaced. So we've got an eight-foot two-by-four here. Would you, would you hold that two-by-four? Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. got it okay and uh, there's there's a pen that'll work <laughs> all right let's pull it pull, come this way just a little bit a little bit all right
What I did is I used the last cut to make the measure instead of the first cut. And I've cut all kinds of boards according to the last measure I measured. And what happened is what I didn't realize, I was off a little bit on the first cut. And I kept cutting it board shorter and shorter every time because I was comparing my measure now to the last measure instead of to the original measure and when my dad came brother Chuck my dad come back on the job and he looked up and everything was off was getting shorter as it's coming down and he said something like this who in the world Man, I wanted to point at David, my brother. <laughs> Who in the world did this? What in the world? It's off an inch and a half over here. It's crooked. All these got to be redone. And, you know, he sort of let me have it in a, in a dad way. I said, well, Dad, I, I, I just I, I kept cutting the measure. He said, you did it wrong. You don't use your last cut. You've got to use the original measure or you'll get off. You know what the first cut is called? In construction work, when you cut the standard, it's called the standard measure. It's called the preacher. They write on the board and they call it the preacher. That is a construction term. And you use the measure, same measure every time, not the last one. And if we're not careful, we will compare our morality and what's moral and what's right according to our parents according to grandma grandpa compared to our friends even worse compared to the world well in comparison i mean compared to the world i'm good i mean we can find somebody to make us feel better about ourselves i can always find somebody worse that's not how it works because paul said don't compare yourselves among yourselves it's not wise the measure of how you are and right with God cannot be based upon who's around me. Did you get that tape measure? Come here, Brent. You're not going to get you're not going to get the judgment. Bible says, come here. Judgment begins at the house of God. Do I measure what God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Jesus never laid hands on a baby and it became an adult. He let it grow. So we understand growth and process and sanctification is a process. You don't come to church one day and you know, you meet, you meet the, the faith level. Somebody's been in this for 50 years. I understand that. But what I am saying, am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to do? If I'm going to compare convictions, I don't want the convictions of modern day America. I want the convictions of Jesus Christ. I want the Holy Ghost to dwell in me and give me. The things that God measures. He measures the altar. I didn't have time to go through it. I realize it's 8.02. I try to stay on time. But he's measuring you tonight. In every church service, if you're wise, you're going to say, God, 
let the preacher get the measure out tonight. Anybody ever pray that? You know, when I preach hard, people say, boy, you got on my toes at night. I say, you should take those steel toes off when you come to church. Let me get where I need to get. I don't want to stand before God. He say, Aaron, you knew better. You knew my word said I wasn't pleased with that. Why did you allow it in your home? Why did you allow it in your heart? Why did you allow it with your children when you knew it wasn't right? He's going to measure us either now or at eternity. I'd rather be measured now than to wait there. And he said, depart from me. I feel God drawing us back to some old convictions. Men, women, where are you at with God? If he came tonight, would you be ready? Because guess what he gives? Is when you come underneath. Come here, Brent. remember when you came back to the church you watched me preach a message about hell and eternity and came to the house of God when I saw you I ran to you I said Brent what is it you said I'm not right with God I'm not not lining up I'm not measuring up I didn't say get out of here This, this church isn't for any backsliders you were in my youth group years ago and walked away you don't belong did I say that you know what I said come on you come down here and we knelt right here and prayed together and you got on your knees and you said God forgive me I I don't want to not measure up I I don't want to not be what you want me to be I'm sorry God I'm sorry I've lived less than what you've expected of me God I'm asking you to change me you know what God does stand up Brent stand up on the step step God gives you grace it's not of yourself it's a gift to allow you to become what you couldn't become on your own what you could not become on your own it gives you grace and by grace are you saved through faith it's not of yourself that's a gift of God can I tell you today you might have lost conviction but he's going to renew it You might not have felt God in a long time, but He's going to renew it. But it's up to you to come to Him and say, here I am. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Here's my family. Somebody say amen. I want you to lift your hands all over the building. And tell God, I I want to measure. I don't want to wait. God, send the angel of the church to measure me. I want my family to line up with what your word says. Oh God, I don't want a small altar when you have it measured bigger. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's anybody in the building. I don't care if you've been in church for a long time. You can start living less than the measure that God expects. I wonder if somebody would step out of your seat and say, I'm renewing some things tonight. I'm getting on my knees so he can lift me up. I wonder if there's anybody that said, I could be praying more. I could be seeking God more. I could have a cleaner home and a cleaner life. I could have a cleaner heart, a cleaner mind. It's the measure. I want God to be pleased with me. Come on, it's not works of righteousness. You've got to have his grace. You can't do it without God. You can try to dot every I and cross every T of religion, but you can't do, you can't do this without Him. All of sin and come short of the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There's about to be a renewing of His Spirit. Spirit. Come on, I don't want any hate in my heart. I don't want any bitterness in my life. I don't want to hold offense against my brother, against my sister, against my parents, against my family, against a co-worker, a company. I, 
spouse, a child. No. I want my heart to be pure. I want my life to be pure. Come on, something's happening. Something's happening in your heart right now. In the name of Jesus. Man, aren't you glad God gave you grace to change? How many want your heart to be right with God? Want your spirit to be right? You can pray as long as you want to. I don't want to have a false measure and feel good about something God doesn't feel good about. Where I'm less than what I should be. I want to please Him. Amen. I, um, I'll never forget the story my dad told. And we got a powerful preacher coming through. I want, I want to have conviction in my life, don't you? It troubles me to see less conviction. Not necessarily in our church, but it's certainly in our world. And there's a generation that wants truth preaching. These young people down there welling before God tonight, crying and praying, living holy, wanting to be right, wanting to be pure, do things good. Coming in from the world and saying, I'm never doing that again. I'm going to live a pure life. That's conviction. That's God. How many know that? A, a righteous atmosphere. My dad had a dream about somebody one time, and in the dream, the Lord spoke to him. and said, he's allowed in his home what he condemns in his heart. And that man came to my dad and said, did the Lord give you a word about me? He said, yes. He said, what did he tell you? He said, the Lord said, you've allowed in your home what you condemn in your heart. And his face turned pale white because he knew exactly what it meant. Never allow in your home what you condemn in your heart. I snuck a video in our house one time. I did a, a game. I've had people would mock me over this, but I snuck a game into the house one time. And uh, my brother and I, and uh, we were just teenagers. I think I was 14. 
and uh, I snuck it into the home and dad didn't know about it we, we knew he wouldn't let us buy it I mean remember growing up and had those moments but snuck it in the house and uh, he wakes up he wakes up one night and there is a spirit beside his bed he saw it the Holy Ghost revealed it the Bible calls it the, the gift of discernment he discerned a spirit in the house he actually saw it and he said, who are you? And disappeared. And the Holy Ghost led my dad to where that, I'm aged myself right now as a Sega Game Gear. It's newer than an Atari. And uh, he went and found that game. Holy Ghost led him. And it was a game. We snuck the Holy Ghost led him to that and showed him that. And uh, he threw it in the river because he's the preacher. They don't me- that doesn't measure. That's from me and my house. And he came to me the next morning. He said, boy, thank God for a strong voice in my life. Boy, don't you ever bring something in this house that brings a demon in this house. He said, I want you to get the manual and read it and see what it says. I read the manual in the back of it. There were seances on how to conjure up demons. But it's a video game. I don't care. Pathways, access points, walls, openings, cracks in the wall. I come to preach to you tonight. You want to have revival? Clean the house. Separate yourself from the world. Don't let in the house what they let in the world. Amen. Some things don't play. Something. Let's all stand to our feet and lift our hands and tell the Lord, I want what you want. Some of you are having struggles in your home because of what you've let in your house. Home, a clean house, and that spirit's going to leave. That rebellion's going to leave. That, that antagonizing, antagonizing spirit's going to leave. Search your house and clean the house. I promise you, you're going to find lost coins in the house. The Lord's calling you to do some cleansing. Prayer is going to come back in the home. Holiness is going to come back in your heart. Questions are going to leave. The desire to live for God is going to be present. Give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Hallelujah. 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 I want everybody to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This coming Sunday is revival. With Brother Raymond Woodward, it's going to be so powerful Sunday night. Come Sunday morning with your heart open. I'm going to be preaching Sunday morning, but Sunday night, uh, Brother Woodward's going to start a revival that goes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, it's going to be so powerful. It's going to be so exciting. I believe God's going to change us and help us. I want to be closer to Jesus. How about you? I want to grow in Him. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.